Experiencing God unreserved, we have said, is each one's agenda from now till we're dead. As we move from the fall to the bright Christmas season, we know above all, Jesus is the reason. Experiencing Christmas means something different to each. Some even say it must be shared at the beach. Here at New Life, we'll share some iconic symbols and such in hopes every life will be powerfully touched. What would Christmas be like without a gathering so real as the delicious, delectable Christmas meal? Of course, there are sounds, there are feelings in sight, but what would it be without the Christmas lights? Christmas movies galore, golly gosh, golly gee, and what's more iconic than a beautiful tree? We often get caught during the season so bright, talking about the sails and the snow oh so white. Of course, every message will help us with living, and remind us, only one gift always keeps giving. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. My name is Mark. I'm the discipleship pastor here. If you're here with us for the first time, man, we're glad you're here. If you're here with us online, especially if you're from my community, thank you so much for tuning in uh, today. Um, I haven't preached in quite some time, so if you're newer to the church in the last maybe six months or so, which I'm sure some of you are, um, you may not know who I am. Um, I, uh, I've been serving in New Life for some time, but I took a time off from the preaching rotation. About six months ago, I went to Pastor Chris, and I knew something somewhere had to give, and so I approached him and said, listen, can I take a break from preaching? And Graciously, he allowed me to take a break from preaching, but I was able to remain on the teaching team here um, at New Life, and the main reason that I took a break was because we had, a, my wife and I had a kid, so um, throw those, those kiddos up there, look at them, oh, I know, dang, chew on them, you can just chew on them, they're so cute, that the big one is Brooklyn, she's not new, the little one is Aria Faith Lutz, she arrived exactly on her due date, healthy and happy with all of that spiked up hair. Um, and that's actually pretty tame. Like that photo is super tame right now. I don't know what it is, but Jen and I create kids with crazy hair. That's just kind of like our, that's our thing in marriage. Um, so yeah, so they're, they're around and that's been keeping me pretty stinking busy. And you know what, kudos to you. Like I have a great deal of respect. If you've had three, four, five, seven, ten kids, are you kidding me? Why? Why? I don't. Oh my goodness, I, you know, I'm like four nights in of sleepless nights, and I'm like 31, and I'm like, I am too old for this. Are you kidding me? Holy cow, you just don't sleep. It's the worst. Well, you know, they're the best, but it's the worst. So um, we're very thankful that Aria is, you know, healthy and happy, hanging over here with her grandpap right now, actually just cruising over there. That's awesome. Um, so right now we are in week two of a four-week series called Experiencing Christmas. It's part of a year-long emphasis called Experiencing God Unreserved. And uh, through this series, we've had a couple of different uh, things, all starting with experiencing in some way or another. I want to actually look back, because I didn't get to preach in the last series, but it was really powerful. So we did a series for seven weeks um, right before this one called Experiencing God. And if you were here, or maybe you missed a week, or maybe you weren't here for it, go watch it or re-watch those videos. And I'm actually encouraging you to go online, look up Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, which is what that series was based on. 
buy that book. And if you're like, I don't read because I can't see, well, the good news is there is a mega print version of it that Pastor Barry as a joke bought for me, which by the way, when you're in staff meetings and you're supposed to pull quotes and everyone's pulling quotes from page like 45 and you're pulling quotes from page 650, um, it does make you feel like a really good reader though because you turn a page like every four seconds, just like bam, bam, there's only like four words on it. So, um, so but, but it's a really powerful book. Listen, it has it really revitalized my my faith personally, um, you know, I don't know about you, but my experience is like I can go to church and I can read my Bible and I can pray with my kids and never, ever connect with Jesus. I can do all the religious things and never have a genuine relationship with my Savior. I can miss it completely. And this book and that series really helped me throughout. We were reading it as a staff throughout the fall, really helped me reconnect with God in a powerful way. And yes, even as a pastor, you can become disconnected from God. And you can become disconnected from God for a long time. So if you're looking, you're just feeling dry right now, you want to revitalize and reawaken some of that passion, I really encourage you, pick up that book, read through it, and rewatch some of those series. It's really powerful. It's not a hard read, um, and it has been really life-changing for me. So like I said, we're in week two of a four-week series called Experiencing Christmas. And kind of like the last series, we're looking at some of the icons in the Christmas season um, that will help us sort of uh, identify with them and, and connect our faith to them. And so last week, we talked about the Christmas meal. Next week, Pastor Chris is going to be preaching about the Christmas tree. This week, I have Christmas lights. And listen, I realize that there are differing opinions about Christmas lights. And when you hear or see Christmas lights, different feelings well up in you, right? For some of us, they're magical, just, just magical, right? And like, I remember being a kid in Christmas lights being magical. We would go with my family. My parents would take me and my brother for a drive. That, yeah, that was when you could afford to go for a drive. Gas wasn't $5,000 a gallon. It's now cheaper to go to the movies, which is unbelievable because that costs a fortune, right? So we would go for a drive and we would go around and see all of the different houses. And there were always these neighborhoods and housing plans. They would compete with one another. There'd always be a couple people who were wealthy enough to cheat and hire an outside company to come in and do their setup for them. And it was like amazing as kids. You're like, oh, and like you would have those specific houses. You remember like growing up, you'd have that houses that you would go like, oh, do you remember? Like we, we lived in near Zillion, but go down that street and there's that guy with all the boxes and he has the music and the and the the sounds and it all goes along with the lights and it's insane and like we I had that experience growing up where we would go on a drive and go look at Christmas lights together and it was just magical and it brought in Christmas for my brother and I in a lot of ways some of us have a very different experience with Christmas lights our key memory is falling off the ladder when we were trying to hang that unmanageable tangle of icicle lights which were created by Satan, by the way. Icicle lights. If you don't remember, in like the 90s when icicle lights came out, they burnt down a bunch of houses. Satan's handiwork. Now he just kills people by knocking them off of ladders. They're the worst, the worst. The only time I've hung icicle lights is I got them out of the box and that's the only time they ever went up because after that, I went to get them the next year and I picked up one strand and it came in like a ball. And I was like, nah, bah humbug, we're not doing this. I'm gonna be a Scrooge. We're not having any lights outside our house. Or maybe your experience with Christmas lights is your neighbor who puts up his lights before Halloween, which is far too early, and takes down his lights right after Labor Day, which is like, why 
are you even bothering, right? Something like we have that experience. Or maybe our neighbor, like they just don't take their Halloween lights down, which is ridiculous. They're orange and purple lights, right? And they just flick them on for Christmas, just leave them up throughout the holiday. It's like Halloween through New Year's, same lights. So we have different experiences with Christmas lights. But my goal is that we would connect Christmas lights as we see them this season to what we believe as followers of Jesus. And my real question is, how ought we live during the Christmas season? How should we, who claim to be followers of Jesus, live during the Christmas season? Because I think that the way we live should look different than maybe the rest of the world lives. Which brings us to our take-home point today. And our take-home point is the one point that I'm going to seek to make that we can take at home, remember it, and live it out in the week ahead. And this week's take-home point is this. When Christmas lights brighten our world this season, we are reminded to be a light to everyone we encounter. We are reminded to be a light to everyone we encounter. See how I connected that Christmas lights, the word light in there? It's all connecting. Right now, we are in full-blown Christmas shopping season. Literally last night was a low service for Saturday night because I think everyone was out Christmas shopping. They're just too tired to get to church afterwards. And, and Christmas shopping is awful. It's terrible. I used to like it, and then I had kids. You know what Christmas shopping with a two-year-old and a two-month-old is like? It's horrible. It's, it's just agonizing. And, and that's, it, it, I used to like it. Listen, and here's the problem. It's people. That's the problem with Christmas shopping is everyone else, right? You, if, if everyone would stay in their house, I would have a remotely enjoyable experience. Not, not enjoyable, mind you, because I'm a dad of two little kids, but a remotely enjoyable experience when I'm Christmas shopping. But people don't stay home. That's the main issue around Christmas time is all the stinking people that are out and about. And they're all like tired and irritated and rude. And, and that I'm tired and irritated and rude just at default, but especially when I'm Christmas shopping, right? Like you just don't get enough sleep with a two-month-old, so it's hard not to be those things. And, and so Christmas shopping is is just hard, you know, and, and there's all these things that happen. I think that you can relate to this, right? You ever go down the aisle and coming at you is someone who's on the wrong side, right? They're pushing their cart. There's an etiquette. Stay on the right side. They're rolling too deep at you and you can't get through. And then you, you come to like the point of collision and someone has to make a choice. And I'm not making the choice because I'm on the right side, right? Or that, or that person who you're going down the two-lane road and there's a guy in the passing lane at the same speed as the person in the slow lane and you wish there was a bucket on the front of your car so you could scoop them up and throw them off the road. Or if you're from the 90s, you wish it was Mario Kart and you had a red shell and you could blast them, right? I get, I get that. Or here's another one of my favorite ones. When you're standing in line at checkout and another person says, I can take someone over here and the person behind you rushes over there, you're like, I got dibs. I'm in front of you. That's my, I get the option of turning down that opportunity before you get the option of taking it. But they just, they almost hit your heels with their, with their front of their cart on their way over. Christmas, you get run over, slowed down, blown past a lot in Christmas time. And let's just face it, it can be really easy to check your convictions and your faith at the door. I mean, it really feels like you have to buy into the materialistic frenzy just to survive the season just to keep your head above water. You really go into like survival mode. And so my question was, is this how Jesus intended us to live at Christmas? The answer is, 
well, I don't think so. No, and I, don't, I think the Bible would say no as well. So I looked at God's word, and I tried to come up. I was looking for some, oh, that's the wrong app. For some reason, my, my tablet keeps closing when I need it to open. I looked at some scriptures that I think, this isn't exhaustive. This isn't everything in the way that Jesus would have us live. But I found some scriptures that I think capture some of that. So the first one is a teaching by Jesus in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. It says this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bull. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. From Matthew 7, 1 through 2, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Then not from the teachings of Jesus, but from the teaching of the Apostle Paul, he said this in Romans 12 too, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think there's some pretty clear applications from these short passages about how we should live if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus around Christmas time. The first one is do not judge. And I think if we're honest, the root of many of our issues when it comes to obeying what God would have in our life is an immediate willingness to judge others. Um, Pastor Barry says that um, comparison is the root of condemnation. And I think that that's really true. And when I look at my life and I began applying that to my life, I realized that I have this immediate instinct to sort of judge people um, when I'm encountering them, especially this time of year. But when I read this passage, it said, do not judge or you will be judged. And with the same measure that you judge others, it will be measured to you. That's scary to me. I think, I think as a Christian, there should be some passages that are uplifting and encouraging to us, and there should be some passages that are a bit terrifying. In this passage is a bit terrifying to me. Why? Because like, if, if God is going to judge me, or if Jesus is going to judge me by the same measure that I judge others, I'm, in not, in good, I'm not in a good place. Right? Because the things that I think about the person at Kohl's who is counting out exact change, I don't think good things about that person. I judge that person real harshly. And like secretly, like my wife is the type of person she, I'm sorry, honey. I'm trying to read if you're smiling. You are. Um, she liked to count out exact change. Like I almost go to the car. Like I'm almost like, I'm done. Carry it out yourself. I'm not sticking around for the exact change counting, right? I hate, oh, it drives me nuts. But if, that, if, like, if that's such a small, a petty, ridiculous offense is a thing that I base judgment off of, right? Wow, if that's the same measure that God is going to use to judge me, that's a little bit scary. And I think the root of the issue for us when it comes to judging others is we do not see people as people. We see them as objects and we see them as obstacles. But what we see as objects and obstacles, God sees as his children, let me repeat that. What we see as objects and obstacles, God sees as his children. Now, I have two girls. And if you begin treating my girls like objects or obstacles, we're going to have words, and it's going to be behind the church in the back parking lot. We're going to have a talk. Because my girls are people. They're not objects and obstacles. And if you begin treating them like something that you have to get out of your way or that you have to overcome, we're going to have a problem. Now, I understand that with my own children, but I don't understand it or I don't live by it when it comes to God's children. 
Because if I recognize the fact that the people that I'm encountering aren't objects, they aren't obstacles, but they are the very children of God, and by extension, my brothers and sisters, then the way that I relate to them ought to be different. Now, there's an entire three-week, four-week series here about the way that we relate to others when it comes to the judgments that we pass immediately in our hearts. Because at this point in our culture, it's a defense mechanism. We use judgment just to survive. But I truly believe that if we're going to live how Jesus wants us to live this season, then we have to abandon and surrender our judgmental ways. We have to give it up. Listen, it's hard, but I truly believe it's better. We have to stop viewing people as objects and obstacles and begin seeing them for what they truly are, which is the children of God. The second thing we learn from this passage is to not conform to the patterns of this world. And let's just be honest, it's easy to become more like the world at Christmas time than just about any time. Listen, the world leans a little bit harder toward the Christian worldview, and the Christians, we often lean a little bit harder towards the world during Christmas season because it's just crazy. Like we go to church a little bit more often. Usually, church attendance is up, and we come to Christmas Eve service. We drive past the guy's house that has Jesus as the reason for the season, or if you're in Saxonburg, Santa Claus standing before the manger, which is, if you go, I, that's fine. Um, I won't comment on it because I don't know if they go to our church. Um, and like we reckon, like we see that, right? But the reality is oftentimes we don't really even think about Jesus around Christmas time unless it's Christmas Eve service or a live nativity. We're not even reflecting on him. We're not really thinking about him at all. And it's because it's stressful, Christmas time is stressful for us. I mean, we have so many things to get to. There's parties, ugly sweaters to put on, eggnog. We have all these different things that we have to get done and all these places we have to be around Christmas time. And even if we enjoy shopping, we don't have time for it. We don't got time to go out, spend time looking for presents for our loved ones. It's stressful. That's why I love Amazon Prime. Love it. I'm like, dear Jesus, thank you so much for Amazon Prime. This time of the year, I'm like, Alexa, who lives in my house, I'm like, you can listen into all my conversations and sell my information to someone on the internet. As long as you deliver my packages in two days, I don't care. I'm so, so, so thankful for you. And in all of the stress of the Christmas season, here's the reality, it's easy to neglect the reason for the season and obsess over the traditions of the season. It's easy to neglect the reason for the season and obsess over the traditions of the season. We become so consumed with meals and cookies and parties and eggnog and gift buying and tree getting and deal grabbing that we completely neglect to draw closer to Jesus, which I think is the heart of the, the reason that Christmas is about for us. So here's, here's the truth. When we conform to the world's way of doing Christmas, we miss an incredible opportunity to draw closer to Jesus. When we conform to the world's way of doing Christmas, the materialistic, just crazy culture of it, we miss this opportunity to draw closer to Jesus. Christmas should be a season to deepen our faith. As followers of Jesus, the way we celebrate Christmas should look different than the rest of the world. Just think about it. Like we are celebrating, as the rest of the world celebrates Christmas, they're celebrating gifts and family and parties and a couple days off of work, and those things are all good. But as a follower of Jesus celebrates Christmas, they're celebrating the God of the universe coming down in the form of a child, putting on a flesh suit and joining us. Flesh suit. See how I wove that in? Just mental image for you. Meant flesh suits and mental image for you. But he's coming to earth 
And we get the opportunity to celebrate that and draw close to him. And that's really what Christmas should be about. It should be a time where we tell our children and our grandchildren about what God has done in our life. It should be a time of remembrance of the powerful way that Jesus has moved. In reality, if you look at my life and you look at the Christmas seasons, I'm not sure that my life would look much different than anybody else's, the average person in the world. Other than the fact that I go to church a bit more often, I seem to be consumed with and participate in the exact same things. I'm not sure that I, as a Christian, celebrate Christmas or participate in Christmas in a way that's any different than the rest of the world who doesn't believe in Jesus. And there's something just a little bit messed up about that that leaves me just a bit uneasy. As I should be reflecting, and this should be a time when we are drawing closer to Jesus. And please understand, I don't mean that you should harass the poor Starbucks employee about saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Listen, demanding that other people conform to our way of doing things does not mean that we're drawing any closer to Jesus. It seems that's, that's like the Christian MO, like that's their, their, what they do around Christmas time to prove that we believe in Jesus as we force people to say Merry Christmas who don't want to say Merry Christmas. Can I say this? Insisting others recognize the lordship of Jesus does not mean we're drawing closer to Jesus. Insisting that others recognize the lordship of Jesus does not mean that we're necessarily drawing closer to Jesus. It just means that we're unfairly putting people in awkward situations that's probably accomplishing the opposite of our intention. It just means that we're putting people in awkward situations that's probably accomplishing the opposite of our intention. So this Christmas season, instead of conforming to the world or trying to force the world to conform to us, let's draw closer to Jesus. It's harder, but better. Finally, from the last passage, we are to be a light to the world. Let me rephrase that. We are, you are, a light to the world. Jesus didn't say you could be, you should be, you have the option to be. He said you are a light to the world. So the question is not if we will shine, but instead what will we be illuminating? Did you get that? It's not if we will shine, it's what will we be illuminating? You are a light to the world. You do not get the option. People are watching. You only get to decide what you will illuminate. Will you illuminate pride or humility, greed or generosity? Will you illuminate bitterness or forgiveness, ruthlessness or compassion? My hope is that we'll all seek to illuminate the things of Jesus this Christmas season in everything that we do. And once we do that, listen, this all comes together. So let's bring it together. When we surrender, when we have surrendered our judgmental ways, and we've drawn close to Jesus, part one and two. We're now prepared to hear from the Holy Spirit and act in love towards others. This is the last piece, acting in love, intentional acts of love and kindness towards others. We just finished experiencing God. Those seven weeks, this is what it was all about. It was about getting right with God, drawing close to God, listening to the Holy Spirit, and surrendering to him to live in accordance with what he would have us do. God is at work all around us. He's constantly doing things. He's speaking to us. And if we're not hearing him, it's not because he's not speaking. It's because we haven't listened. He's at work. And if, it's not, if we haven't seen it, it's not because he's not at work. It's that we haven't had eyes to see. 
And so when we surrender our judgmental ways this season, and when we draw close to Jesus, we put ourselves in a position to hear from the Holy Spirit and partner with him to impact the lives of the people that he's already working in around us. Imagine what it would be like when the world is expecting us to illuminate greed and selfishness to act just as the rest of the world does around the Christmas season. That's what they're expecting and that's what we're looking for. Imagine what would happen if instead we were surrendered to the Holy Spirit, we were drawn close to Jesus, we had abandoned our judgmental ways and we were prepared to just be at his disposal in everything that we did. Listen, this isn't like huge. This isn't like you don't need to go buy a bullhorn at Walmart and stand out front of the butler Walmart yelling at people. I'm not a, this is small things that show that we're illuminating the things that Jesus would have us illuminate with our light this season. This is like the guy, and this is what I'm, I'm terrible at this, right? The guy who blows past you in the lane that's ending and then wants to merge in front of you and you just want to block him off. I get that. Like, you have a choice, buddy. Either get behind me or wreck into me. That's like, that's what I want to, it's letting him in. It's letting that person in line in front of you whenever you're checking out. It's small things that illuminate sacrifice and compassion. Maybe it's, I don't know, inviting someone over to dinner this Christmas season that wouldn't have a place to go even though you know it would be less awkward if it was just your family. I know, because there's always somebody at our house on the holidays. It's always less awkward if it's just our family, always. Or, or maybe it's helping out that single mom or dad around Christmas time and just financially blessing them so they make sure they can get gifts for their kids this season. These are ways to illuminate the importance of community, to illuminate sacrifice, to illuminate love, Maybe it's inviting that estranged relative to the family gathering, or it's coming to church and inviting someone to come with you, or it's giving to the Compassion Close to Home Fund this Christmas Eve as a way to illuminate generosity or forgiveness or obedience. Listen, there are ways where we can orient our lives intentionally so that we are illuminating the things of Jesus this season. So are you ready? We've asked this over and over again. Are you ready to do whatever it takes? Are you ready to illuminate the things of Jesus with your life this Christmas season? Are you ready to live differently? In reality, we're all leaving today. And we're going back out into it. Into the shopping craze, into the Christmas traditions. Statistically, almost everyone will forget about what we talked about this morning. At least in the heat of the moment, we will. Statistically, I will probably forget about what I talked about this morning. It's just true. We have a tendency, our brains get too full. So that's why we did this particular series, because it comes with reminders. Because there's all these iconic things that we participate in that we see around Christmas time that can help us remember. So my hope at this time of year is when you go out and you see Christmas lights, which you're going to see today, you're going to see tonight, you're going to see over the next couple of weeks, is that you will remember these three things. Surrender judgment, draw close to Jesus, and live in love towards others. Surrender judgment, draw close to Jesus, and live in love towards others. My hope and my prayer is, is that you will be a light that will illuminate the things of Jesus Christ this Christmas season and not conform and illuminate the things of the world. 
And that's what our next step is about this week. Our next step is this. I will be an unexpected light to others this Christmas season. I will be an unexpected light. Listen, the world is expecting you and me to illuminate greed, materialism, selfishness, ambition, bitterness, and judgment. I know you may not expect that because you may come to church a lot or you may run in this circle, but the rest of the world isn't like that. A lot of people just absolutely dread Christmas time because of the way that people treat one another. So if that's what's expected, let's live differently. Let's illuminate different things with the way that we live. Let's draw close to Jesus this season. I don't want to come out of another Christmas no closer and no more obedient to Jesus. I want to be drawn closer and more obedient to him. I hope you do as well. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time. and I thank you for Christmas. I thank you for the sacrifice of your son coming here. I mean, we know about the sacrifice on the cross that we celebrated Easter, but I don't think we really ever understand the sacrifice of what it was for him to leave heaven and to come here, to struggle in the ways that we struggle, and to go through many of the things that we go through. I'm so thankful, Lord. I pray that you would bless us this time of year with all love and compassion. In your name we pray, amen.